Welcome to City Harvest Sermon Podcast. Coming up is a word from Pastor Kong Hee. We are in a series right now on living the Zoe Supernatural Abundant Life. And I use the acronym L-I-F-E. And I say the first thing, L stands for love. And in 2015 this year, I want to challenge every one of you, every one of us, to become experts and to make love our aim in life. And that is really what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, make love your aim. But when it comes to love, God says that we got to look to Him as our example. He is our model. Jesus Himself says in John 13, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. In other words, you don't have to love more than Jesus. You don't have to love less than Jesus. You just love Him the way, or you just love people the way you receive love from Him. However Jesus has loved you, that's how you should love your family, you should love your spouse. Now, so Jesus demonstrates for us how a man should love a woman. Ephesians 5.25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So God is love, and no one is more qualified to teach us love than Jesus Christ himself. And the Bible says, when Jesus loves, he loves all the way to the very end. Jesus doesn't love half the way. He doesn't love three-quarters of the way. He loves all the way. And this is shown in the final few words Jesus Christ had when he was hanging on the cross. Now, the last few words of a man's life must surely be his most important words. And here, in the final moment of his earthly life, Jesus spoke seven words, and they are all voices of love. In 2015, if we want to make love our aim, we too must express love the same way as Jesus Christ. All right, let's get to the seven words. The first was the word of forgiveness, because love forgives. Love forgives. Now, by this time when Jesus was on the cross, Judas had already betrayed him. Simon Peter, one of his closest friends, denied him three times. Now, all the rest of the disciples, they have forsaken him, they left, they abandoned him. At this time, uh, Caiaphas, the high priest, the son-in-law of Annas, and the chief priest of the Sanhedrin have sentenced him and recommended him to be executed. Pilate, the governor, knew Jesus was innocent, but yet he refused to release him. He gave the people a choice. And guess what? The people, many of whom Jesus had preached to, have healed, has delivered, have set free, they chose for Barabbas, a convicted criminal, to be released. And they all wanted Jesus Christ to be crucified. Based on that, the Roman soldier took him away to be scourged, to be tortured, to be beaten and bruised until he became a bloody mess. They nailed him to the cross, lifted him up, stripped him of his dignity and exposed his nakedness to the entire world. I mean, we talk about physical, emotional, verbal and sexual abuse. Hanging there in full view for the world to see his shame, 
They mock at him and say, if you are the son of God, come down from the cross. You can't even save yourself. They laugh at him. They mock at him. Now, if you are in Jesus' shoes, what will you do with that kind of abuses? Well, the Bible says over here, in Luke 23 and verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Friends, this is love of the highest order. Jesus forgave, and Jesus prayed to God for them. If you want your relationship to work, whether is it marriage, family life, church life, cell group, friends, whatever, you got to make a decision. Forgiveness must be your first instinctive response. Every time you're hurt, you got to forgive and forgive and forgive again. Why? Because love forgives, right? And when people hurt us, we have two natural tendencies. The first tendency is to remember. So we store the offense in our mental database and we say, we're not going to forget that one. We're not going to forget that one. We remember and every once in a while, we retrieve that record and we rehearse it to ourselves, to others, again and again. That's our natural tendency. We remember. Oh, I remember, you know, what you did to me on that rainy night, September 13, 15 years ago. You said this. <laughs> we all remember. Yeah? And then the second natural tendency we do, we retaliate. We strike back. We want to fight. We want to repay. We want to take revenge. An eye for an eye. A tooth for a tooth. But you know, the Bible says this, love keeps no record of wrong. Love keeps no record of wrongs. We don't repeat it, we delete it. We don't repeat it emotionally, the wounds that we have suffered. We don't repeat it verbally to others. We don't repeat it relationally to strike back at our husband, at our wives, at our father, our mother, our family, our friends, our churchmates. Every time we remember, we rehash, we rehearse, you know what we are doing? We are scraping the scab and stabbing it again. You are committing emotional suicide. You are hurting yourself again and again. And to forgive, you got to wipe off, you got to delete, you got to wash away off the memory bank, let it go and get on with the rest of your life. Now, the Bible says, if you are wise, you are wise to yourself. If you don't forgive, you cannot move on. You get stuck. And, and let me tell you why, all right? Our minds will always gravitate to that which we focus on. Whatever we focus, we move towards that. If your mind is gravitated towards, or if your mind is focusing on the past, you will gravitate to the past. You, you can't move on. But if your mind is focused on the promises of God, which has a future, which has a hope, you will move on toward that future. So if I focus on my pain, I get stuck in my pain. I can't move on. But if I focus on my potential in Jesus Christ, I can go on to greater things in life, no matter what has happened. You see, and whatever we rehearse, we reassemble. Sometimes people say this, 
I will never grow up to be like my dad. I will never become like my mother. And guess what? They grew up exactly like them. Because whatever you rehearse, you reassemble. There's a verse in the Bible in Job 18 and verse 4. It says, you are only hurting yourself with your anger. Listen, all of you who are angry because of things that's happened, you are really hurting yourself. And an unforgiving person is like a suicide bomber. You know, you, we think we're going to strike back, but at the end, you'll get blown to a million pieces yourself. So I want to encourage you, let it go. As your pastor, let it go. There's a verse for you this morning, Mark eleven twenty five 25 in the Amplified Bible. It says, and whenever you stand standing, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him and let it drop. Leave it. Let it go. Some of us may be abused. You may be hurt. You may be lied to. You may have been cheated. Forgiveness is not forgetting. It's not acting like nothing has happened. I'm not asking you to just act like you have never been abused, to act like the cheating never happened. No, no, no. All right? We are people of truth. Truth is truth. But forgiveness is what the verse says. You are dropping the matter. You are leaving the offense. You are letting it go so that you can move on with the rest of your life. Oh, come on, go ahead and give the Lord a big clap. Hallelujah. Amen. Will you, will you please turn to your neighbors on your left and right and say, move on with your life. And that's what love is. Number one, love forgives. Now, the second word on the cross was the word of assurance because love assures. Love assures. Now, there were two criminals hanging beside Jesus Christ. Look at Luke 23 and verse 39. Then one of the criminals who were hung, or who, were, who were hanged, blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, all that man wanted was Jesus, remember me when you get to heaven. Let me tell you how loving Jesus Christ was. Jesus didn't just remember him. Jesus opened up the heavens, assure him, today you'll be with me in paradise. Love is very assuring. Verse 43, assuredly I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. How to love like Jesus? To Jesus Christ, love always assures. Love always extends grace. No relationship will make it if you're not gracious, if you're not merciful, if you're not patient. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 says, love is patient and love is kind. Verse 7 says, love bears all things. I, I love it. The Message Bible says, it puts up with anything. The New Jerusalem Bible says, it is always ready to make allowances. So if you want to love somebody, you got to allow for mistakes. You got to make allowances for them to foul up, sometimes even badly. 
The original Greek word for love bears all things means it is like a roof that covers. It's like roofing your house. None of us will buy a home without a roof because the wind and the rain will come in. So love is like a roof. Love covers. Love protects. A loving person always covers. An unloving person exposes. That is why God hates worship, uh, gossip. God says gossipers are wicked people because when you gossip, you expose. Now, we sing the song, covered, covered, covered by your grace. No matter what I've done, no matter where I've been, no matter how I fall, you pick me up again. You cleanse me from my shame. You called me as I am. And you called me justified. I'm covered, covered, covered by your grace. You see, that is how Jesus loves us. Jesus covers us. Jesus never exposes us. You see, when people are sorry and they are repentant, whether it's your parents, your kids, your husband, your wife, and they're trying to change and they may not be there yet. Love is a roof that extends grace to them. Let me tell you this, church, there is no perfect marriage. There is no perfect relationship. There is no perfect cell group. There's no perfect family. Some people say, well, my family is dysfunctional. Think about it. Every family is dysfunctional. It's just different degrees. Why? Because you are not perfect and I'm not perfect. How can two imperfect people create a perfect relationship? It cannot be done. So the Bible says this, Ephesians 4 verse 2, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Love makes allowance for each other's faults. You know, one guy says this, the worst time of the month, every month, is when my wife got PMS. Oh, that's the worst time of the month, PMS. You know PMS? Yeah, of course you know. Yeah. The guy said, when my wife had PMS, to me, it's permanent madness syndrome. It's psychotic move shift. You know, another guy said, PMS means punish my spouse. But if you are loving, listen guys, you make allowances because we guys are just as bad. We are also just as temperamental. 90% temper, 10% mental. <laughs> right? Let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you. Okay, Pastor, I, Pastor Kong has PMS every week. Every week I have PMS. Every Friday. It's called pre-message syndrome. <laughs> oh, when I'm preparing my sermon on Friday, man, I'm like a porcupine. Son gets afraid. Even my boy gets afraid. Dayan calls me daddy, but on Friday, pastor, can I come in? <laughs> my staff, they know I'm preparing message. Pastor is, pastor is preparing message. Every week I got PMS and everybody got to make allowances for me. So that is what love is. Romans 15 verse 7 says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Remember what I told you before. Acceptance is not the same as approval, yeah? Love says, 
I may not approve of what you have done, but I know you're trying. I know you're struggling. You're trying to overcome that temptation. You're trying to be a better person. Let me assure you, nothing has changed. My love for you is as strong as ever before. Love always makes us gracious. Love always makes us assuring. Oh, come on, let's give the Lord a big clap. Hallelujah. Amen. The third word on the cross was the word of honor because love honors. Love honors. When Jesus was on the cross, below it stood four people. You had Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene, and then the disciple John. Jesus was such a loving son. He saw his mom, and he knew this. Dad's gone because Joseph had died early, and there's no one to take care of Mary. Now, some of you say it well, but didn't Jesus have other brothers and sisters? Well, many scholars believe they were from the earlier marriage of Joseph because Joseph's wife had died. And so they have moved on with their own lives. Now, Mary's going to be all alone. Love honors. So Jesus saw John. And Jesus, on the cross, this, here's the man in pain dying. And what did Jesus say? John 19, verse 26. Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by. He said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. He said to the disciple, John, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple, John, took her to his own home. You see, love honors. Exodus 20 verse 12 says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Chinese New Year is coming. So after this Valentine's Day, in the next few days, you have Chinese New Year. Right? Now, remember this. God promises two blessings if we honor our parents. Number one, He will give you the land. He's going to prosper you. Number two, He's going to give you a life healthy and strong enough to enjoy that prosperity. He's going to bless you and give you long life to enjoy the blessing. But what must you do? You must honor your parents. Now, to honor means to highly value. To highly value. Philippians 2 verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. That means... When you're with your friends, this week when you meet your relatives, and, and they could be absolute jerks sometimes, right? You, in your mind, you esteem them better. That is being Christian. That is being loving. You honor them, especially with your parents. You value them. That means you never mentally, verbally, in your action, put them down. You never demean them. When you demean somebody, the person goes down in value. Sometimes, we take our elderly parents out for, for a meal. And they spill all their food, their orange, orange juice, their, their meals on, on their clothes. Maybe it might happen during Chinese reunion dinner. Yeah? You don't say, man, you're so clumsy. 
Can't you just eat properly? You're such a burden to us. You don't say that. You don't think that. That is dishonoring. Let me, let me encourage you. I don't know if this is going to encourage you or not. But there's a verse, Proverbs 20, verse 20. If you want to have a 2020 vision, remember this verse. If you insult your father or mother, your light will be snuffed out in total darkness. Please turn to somebody in front behind you this time and say, never insult your parents. Yeah. Same thing with your husband or wife. Right? You, you don't... Uh, you're, you don't demean them, you don't put them down, say you're inviting friends over for a, a, a meal, for a, a time of fellowship. Your wife spent the entire day cleaning up the house, cooking the meals. Now, even if it's true, you never say things like that. You never, in front of your friends, say, you know what, Guys, ha, 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 ha. My house is really a pigsty. My wife never cleans. This is the first time she's cleaning only because you guys are here. Oh, you know, my wife is such a bad cook. I never tasted a, a decent meal. This is such a, a surprise to me. Oh, honey, you can actually cook. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> you never do that. You don't demean your spouse early in our marriage. Son and I make a decision never to put each other down in front of others. Not even in front of our parents. Not in front of our brothers or our sisters or our relatives. We are going to honour one another and lift up each other. Now, honouring also means this. When they are talking, you don't interrupt them. Yeah? You, you don't correct them. You know, I, sometimes husband and wife and when somebody is talking and the other one is correcting, no, 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 it's not like this. No, 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 it's not. No, no, no it's not like that. And then you're so, you're so fed up, why don't you tell the story? You don't correct them publicly. You laugh even when it's not funny. So you're laughing because it's not funny and you're just trying to honor me, right? <laughs> you laugh. <laughs> and then you go back home and say, honey, that wasn't very funny. <laughs> yeah. But then it's, Showing respect. That is, I'm going to treat you with care because you're very important to me. You are a very important person, VIP, right? So that's how we treat our husband. That's how we treat our wife, our parents, somebody special. I know some of you are saying, but pastor, if I do that, if I defer to, to, to them all the time, I'll be taken advantage of. I don't want people to take advantage of me, you know. Look, you might be. You might be taken advantage of. But that's what love is. Love is a choice. Love is a decision you make. A lifestyle you develop. And when two people can do that, their love will stay strong and last the distance. So, love honors. Now, number, the fourth word on the cross was the word of perseverance. Because number four, love perseveres. Love perseveres. Now, the first three words of Jesus Christ was spoken in bright daylight. And then by 12 o'clock noon, the land was covered with darkness. And Jesus suffered in silence for three hours. For three hours, he didn't say anything. At 3 p.m., Jesus cried out. So let's 
Look over here, what did Jesus say? Matthew 27, verse 46, about the ninth hour, that is 3 p.m. in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabbatini, that is my God, my God, have, why have you forsaken me? Now, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for all eternity past, they were always one. The Lord your God is one God. For the first time in history, the first time ever, the Trinity was going to be ripped apart. The Trinity was going to be torn. Jesus Christ had to go through death alone by himself so that he who knew no sin can be made sin for you and me. Right? How did Jesus do it? To Jesus Love perseveres. The Greek word for perseverance is a beautiful word. It's the word hupomone. Hupomone. And hupomone has two meanings. A passive meaning and an active meaning. Let me explain. Passively, when you're persevering, it means you're patiently waiting. Yeah? When, when a person has perseverance, you are patiently waiting. So you are waiting for God's salvation. You are standing still to see the miracle, the salvation of God. You are waiting for God to part the Red Sea. You're waiting for your divine intervention, your miracles to come. So perseverance means you are quiet and patiently waiting. And in your quietness, you have confidence in God. But that's very passive. You're waiting, you're doing nothing. But hypomony also has an active meaning. It means you are enduring. You are staying in the race. You have fighting spirit. You are not giving up. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, it says over here, let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. That means you keep on keeping on. You're staying in the, in the relationship. So you put the two together. What is perseverance? When Jesus perseveres, when God wants us to persevere, it means while we are waiting for the divine intervention to come, while you're waiting for the breakthrough in your marriage, for the miracle in your relationship, you keep on keeping on and do the best you can to prosper where you're planted. So you do the best you can to be as good a wife as you can while you're waiting for your husband to change. You don't give up. There's perseverance. You are doing the best you can, praying for your mom, your dad. You know, I mean, doing the best you can to be the best son, the best daughter, while you wait for the miracle to happen, for your family to reconcile. That is what perseverance is. And that is what love is. Love gives you the inner strength not to give up. Love is persistent, determined, resolute, stubborn. Those of you that grew up in our church, remember we used to have a song called Stubborn Love. It's your stubborn love, oh God, that keeps me close to you. You see, love is stubborn. Love says, I will stay put in this relationship. I'm not going to divorce you. I'm not going to break up with you. 
I will keep believing. I will keep forgiving. I will keep trying. Listen, when God wants to make a mushroom, it takes six hours. If God wants to make an oak tree, it takes 60 years. You want God to make a marriage, a mushroom, or an oak tree? <laughs> yeah? So you need to persevere. You need to persevere. So we pray. We make adjustments. We go for marriage counseling. And you will have the strength because love perseveres. Now, the, the fifth word was the word of communication because love communicates. Look at John 19 and verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. Now, by now, his body was in total shock. He had lost so much blood. So Jesus is probably having a raging fever because of all the bruises he suffered. And you must remember, Jesus was a man. In his humanity, as a man, he communicates his need. He said, I thirst. I'm thirsty. Let me tell you how I'm feeling right now. If there is no communication, there is no intimacy. You will not be honest with people you know or people you love, and they will not be honest to you. You will not know and be known by them. If there's no communication, they say more than 80% of all marriages fail because of a lack of communication. In fact, they say this. They say that according to one survey, couples talk with each other about 70 minutes per day. 70 minutes per day in the first year of their marriage. And then every year, it drops by 20%. So by the eighth year, you have nothing more to say. That is why many marriages do not last eight years. So you got to make a decision. Love communicates. And, and the problem here is men and women, we are different. A woman needs to speak 30,000 words a day. Men only need to speak 15,000 words. So you work from nine to five. You already talk all that you want, guys. When you go back home, you use up your daily quota. You're left with 50 words. So you mumble through the night at home. But your wife, she has a bigger storage. And if she's a housewife, she has nobody to talk to. She's waiting for you to come back to give you a verbal diarrhea. <laughs> oh, come on, husband. Hubby, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me right? They, they desire to talk. They want to, they need to talk. So marriage experts say, for the sake of the woman, every couple, the man, got to put aside 15 hours every week. 15, one five. Of communication with your wife, preferably uninterrupted with kids around. I tell you, 15 hours a week is tough. It's tough. But if you do that, the love tank in the couple will be kept high. So we will make the effort for our wife, for our husband, for our parents, for our friends. Why? Because love communicates. Now, the sixth word on the cross was the word of faith. Because love believes. Love believes. John 19 verse 30, And when Jesus had received the sour wine, He said, it is finished. Bowing his head, 
he gave up his spirit. That was the sixth word of Jesus Christ, by faith. He believed that everything needed for our salvation was done. He believed that his blood sacrifice would be acceptable to his heavenly Father. He believed by faith. Now, you got to know, although he was a son of God, he's totally a human like you and I. Everything Jesus did, he did by faith. When he went to the cross, there's no guarantee God will raise him up in his mind by faith. I believe three days from now, Father, I'm not deluded. You are really going to raise me up because everything I've done, I'm really the son of God that's going to be the savior of the world. By faith, he believed. Love gives you strength to believe. Love gives you strength to trust. Listen, if there is no trust, there's no relationship. Maybe your spouse has cheated on you and you cannot trust. If you can't trust, there is no hope for that relationship. You got to keep believing. You got to keep expecting the best. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 7. If you love someone, you will be loyal to him no matter what the cost. You will always believe in him. Always expect the best of him. And always stand your ground in defending him. And because faith works through love, the more you love, the more you're willing to believe. The more you're willing to expect the best, hope for the best. All right? And because the spirit of faith is believing and speaking, you always speak the best. You always be very careful in your words and speak well of people around you. Now, what if you got to tell the truth and the truth is something negative and the truth sometimes can hurt the person? Well, the Bible says, speak the truth, but speak it in love. How do you do it? You apply the sandwich principle. You know, a sandwich has three parts. The first slice, the meat, and then the second slice. You have three things, right? You always say something positive. Then you slip in the challenging part. Then you say something quickly positive again. For example, I'll give you, a, I'll give you an example, right? I'll give you an example, right? You, you, you have a, a cell group member uh, who is always late, always late. And you have an important discussion, and he's late again. So you need to talk to him. Now, what are you going to say? So you want to be love, what? Love, uh, love has faith. Yeah, love believes. So you, got, you want to speak well. So what do you do? You, the person, after the service, you say, first slice, positive. Wow, today the suggestion you gave at a cell group was super. It was so good. How do you come up with such ideas? I'm just amazed. Then you say to something negative and challenging part. But you know, everybody came early and they were, they were really wanting to have this meeting and you were late. In fact, I noticed you were late quite a lot. Can you please be punctual on time the next time? Then you quickly add on the last slice. But boy, the moment you walk in, you change the whole atmosphere. Wow! The moment you came, everything changed. Sandwich, sandwich, yeah? Positive, negative, always end with positive. So, that is a sixth thing. Love believes. Now, one more time. Turn to somebody on your left and right. Say, I believe in you. Yeah, hallelujah. The seventh and the last word was the word of commitment because love commits. 
And you know I will come to this. Love is a commitment. And look at Luke 23 and verse 46. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, He breathed His last. Can you imagine? Right down to His last breath. Jesus showed His commitment to God, His heavenly Father, because love commits. Oh, hallelujah. Love commits. I, I heard a funny joke just recently. You know, we all love soccer, right? So there's this young man that had been saving up money to want to go to England for a Barclay Premier League soccer game. So finally, he saved up enough for the air ticket, for the, for the, the stadium ticket, and, and he flew to England. It was a big game. They were the, the teams were the top few teams. And he realized, reaching there, his seat was all the way at the back. In a bad, bad part, because, you know, unless you're a regular fan of a, of a club, you, don't, you never get good seats. So he, he was so disappointed. And then he noticed at the best part, near the grandstand, the best part, there was an old man with an empty seat. So he walked towards him and asked the elderly gentleman, he said, sir, you got such a good place, a good position. Why is your seat empty? You know, the elderly man said to him, he said, well, for the last 30 years, my wife and I have been coming here. We are fans of this club. And this is exactly where we sit for the last 30 years. But she's not here today because she had passed away. My wife's dead. My wife's died. So the man was shocked. He said, but come on, you can... You can, you can invite your relative, your friends to all come and fill up this seat. Why you waste a seat like this? The man looked at this young man and said, yeah, they would have come, but they're all at a funeral right now. <laughs> so much of commitment, right? <laughs> Love is not just a feeling. Love is a commitment. And it's that commitment that will keep on producing that loving feeling. Marriage experts say that every relationship must be built on three foundational pillars. Look at the screen right now. Three foundational pillars. They call this the triangle of love. First, the pillar of passion. So when you are passionate, a couple is passionate, there's an intense longing for union. There's passion. There's passion, right? You have an urge for a merge. There's passion. And then the second pillar is intimacy. Now, what is intimacy? That means you've got a willingness to want to know that person and want to be known. I want you to know me for who I am. And I want to know you for who you are. Total honesty, total transparency, you have intimacy. And then the third pillar is commitment, right? It is the decision to remain steadfast to last the distance. Now, if you only have passion, just passion, your relationship is nothing more than just infatuation. You're just infatuated. If you only have in intimacy, it's just friendship. In fact, you can have intimacy with the person of the same sex. You can have bromance, <laughs> right? I mean, I know you, you know me, 
you're my best friend, intimacy. We don't have to get married. <laughs> now, if you have only commitment and nothing else, all you have is just empty love. I'm committed to you, but there's no more spark. I'm committed to you, but I'm not talking to you. So you are two people living in the same roof, committed, but it's empty. Now, they say if you only have passion and intimacy and no commitment, all you have is romance. I'm passionate, I want to kiss you, I want to hold you, I want to hold your hand, and I want to talk to you, all that. You're very romantic. Yeah? But there's no commitment. So it's just romance. If you only have passion and commitment, so every time we meet, we just want to make out, we want to hug, we want to kiss, and, and I'm committed to you, all right? We have a marriage, but you don't talk. You don't communicate. There's no intimacy. All you have is just shallow love. Yeah, if you're married in a situation like that, you're staying in the marriage probably for the children. Now, if you only have commitment and intimacy, but no passion, you're like just companions. It's companionship. I, I, I know of a couple They've been going on for 20 years. A man and woman, they're no longer young. They've been going on for 20 years. Best friend, talk a lot, every day together, but no passion for each other. So they never got married. Never got married, just companionship. But they say if you have all three, commitment, passion, and intimacy, you have perfect love. You have absolute consummate love. Let's give God a big hand. That is what we want in City Harvest Church in our lives. Oh, come on, let's give the Lord a big clap. Hallelujah. So at the worst and most painful moment of his life, Jesus Christ showed us what true love is all about. Talk to me right now. Number one, everybody say, love forgives. I can't hear you. Say, love assures. Say, love honors. Love perseveres. Say, love communicates. Say, love believes. Love commits. You say, wow, pastor, how can I do this? I can't. I can't. It's humanly not possible. That is why we need Jesus. And Jesus in us. We just let his love bubble out, for our, out of us. Jesus in us, the hope of glory, the hope for our relationship, the hope for our marriage. And that love will come to pass. Well, today we want to stand with all the married couples and we want to encourage them, don't give up on your marriage. So if you are a married couple, will you please stand up right now? If your husband and your wife, they are here, just stand up right now. All the married couples, just stand up right now. Church, will you give them all a big clap? All the married couples, stand, stand, stand. Come on, let's shout and encourage all the married couples here. Amen, 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 amen. Now, if, if your husband and your wife, you're together, you're here today, every Valentine's Day, we have an exchanging and renewing of vows again to remind each other all these things about love. So I want Renata to come and sing a, a love song for all of you, but I want all of you to come down. And let's all stand out on our feet right now. Let's all stand out on our feet. 
Yeah, let's all stand out on our feet, everybody. All the married couples, will you just come all the way to the front and just as close as you can to the stage. Let's give them all a big clap right now as Renata sings. Come on, let's give it up for all the married couples. Just come, come, come. If you know how to sing, sing together. I love you for 
all the married couples just remain standing where you are and the rest of you just sit down for a moment marriage was ordained of God in Eden and he confirmed that by the wedding of Cana in Galilee with the gracious presence and miraculous blessings of Christ the purpose of marriage is to unite two hearts and lives together and this is done by blending their interests their hopes and future it therefore involves mutual compromise loving patience and holy trust so dearly beloved we are gathered here this morning in the sight of God in the face of this congregation to affirm these men and women in their marriage which Apostle Paul commanded us not to come into lightly unadvisedly but reverently wisely in the fear of God so brothers and sisters if it be your intention to continue to take each other as husband and wife will you please just hold your spouse as close as you can right now really tight let me ask you all the men do you continue to take your woman whom you are now holding by your hand your arms to be your lawful and wedded wife do you promise to love and cherish her in sickness and in health for richer for poorer and for better or for worse and forsaking all others cleave only to her as long as you both shall live and all the men say do you women continue to take your man whom you now hold by your hand to be your lawful and wedded husband do you promise to love and cherish him in sickness and in health for richer for poorer for better for worse and forsaking all others cleave only to him as long as you both shall live and all the sisters say i do all right guys will you look at your wife right now don't look at me okay i'm not married to you look at your look at your wife right now say i mention your name continue to take you mention your wife's name to be my wedded wife to have and to hold from this day forward for better or worse for richer or poorer in sickness and in health to love cherish and obey as long as we both live according to God's holy ordinance and thereto I give you my love all the girls all the, all the wives say I mention your name continue to take you mention your husband's name to be my wedded husband to have and to hold from this day forward for better or worse for richer or poorer in sickness and in health to love cherish and obey as long as we both live according to God's holy ordinance and there too I give you my love brothers and sisters what God has joined together let no one no man no woman no financial difficulty no career no circumstance no sickness ever come and put us under and all you men you know what to do right now okay just hold on you are not novice you have done this many times after many children you know what to do so please let's make all the singles jealous 
I want you to give a kiss that is long, that's lingering, that's juicy and wet. Men, go ahead and kiss your wife. Amen, amen. Let's all stand on our feet right now. Will you stretch your hands towards all these men and women? Will you just pray for them right now? Let's pray for all our married couples in this place. Let's all pray strong in the Spirit. Let's pray for God's love and God's protection over their marriage. May God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bless, preserve, and keep you all. The Lord mercifully, with His bountiful favor, look upon you and fill you with all spiritual blessings and grace that you may live together in this life, that in the world to come, you may have life everlasting. And everybody say, Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, I present to you all the married couples who are strong in their marriage this morning in City Harvest Church. Give them a big clap right now. Husband and wife, one more time. Will you just give your spouse a big hug and the rest of you who are single just go and give each other a big hug and say happy valentine's day one more time amen 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 why don't we just do this right now whether you're married or you're single how many of you know that the biggest heroes in our lives should be our friends, our family, our loved ones. Some of your parents are here. I know you can give your parents a hug right now. The rest of you, you can go back to your seat. Let's give all these married couples a big clap and say go back to your seat. Are you blessed by this week's podcast? Tell us at connect at chc.org.sg.